fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, perspective is a wonderful thing. You can have two people look at exactly the same thing and see two different things. That's what makes art terrific. It makes everything else terrific. But when it comes to facts, there is only one set of facts. You look at the American economy, and there is a segment of the American public that think we are on the verge of doomsday. When you look at every indicator, you look at how great the economy is going for the American people, all of the American people. And there are some statistics that we have never seen before. I've done my homework on this and talking to members of Congress in Ways and Means, talking to economists and people in local government about the direction that the United States is heading and where we are. And a couple of indicators in consumer confidence. That being said, how do we have a political party that is able to run on a dismal economy that's not working for all Americans? We explore that here in just a moment. My name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, thanks again for being here. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. It's the Glenn Beck Program. My name is Mike Broomhead in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, looking at local and na- national economy, the American economy is going as good as it's gone in my lifetime for sure. And if you look at statistics at who it's helping and who is who is gaining ground, this is working for all Americans. This is a reason for us to celebrate. Going back to 2016, there was a story, economists saying that a Trump win would tank the stock markets. There was one expert economist in 2016, right after the election, before the inauguration, and he was asked, how long will it take for us to recover from a Trump economy? And he replied, we'll never recover. That was the doomsday prediction, that what he was going to do was destroy the American economy. Well, the exact opposite has happened. Let me just run down some statistics. Perspective, I I have uh, very close friends and I mean this sincerely. I have very close friends that are very liberal. I have a friend that I grew up with that I love like a brother. One of my first friends when I reload, I grew up in southwest Florida in a town called Fort Myers. I moved there when I was young. I was 11 years old. And one of my first friends. And we grew up in the same neighborhood, rode the same school bus. We were inseparable as a group for years and years and years. And how we breathed the same air and became so polar opposites politically, I don't know. But we still, we argue like crazy but we love each other like brothers. And his view of the economy being dismal, and he's a business guy. He's a guy that runs a business. Is impossible for me to wrap my arms around outside of a disdain for Donald Trump. You can have a different opinion on feelings, but the facts are still the facts. We know that here in the month of December... The Dow Jones has added over 10,000 points since Trump was inaugurated. 10,000 points since Inauguration Day. The Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P, the three big indicators, have all touched and or set records this month. All of that is absolutely true. The lowest unemployment rate in 54, 55 years, that also is true. Highest number of Americans employed. But when you look at the demographics, it's the lowest black unemployment in America since they've been keeping the statistic. Same with Hispanic unemployment. Over 60% of the jobs created during this administration. Notice I didn't say by this administration. During this administration, over 60% of those jobs have gone to women. 
You've got unemployment low, employment rate high. You also have growth. You have people's incomes growing faster now than they have in decades and very low inflation, which means you are not just keeping up with your way of life with your raises. You're actually living better. The bottom of the economic ladder, the lowest earners in America have seen the greatest growth. There are two indicators. They say it's been years and years and years since both have been a positive answer. One is, are you better this year than you were last year? The answer for the majority of Americans is yes. Do you believe you will be better off next year than you are this year? Again, the overwhelming answer from the American people is yes. Working class Americans are earning more and keeping more of their own money. The tax cuts helped everyone. And this is my problem with what we're seeing in America, that instead of us being overjoyed, it's I live in a desert. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. There is a time of year we call monsoon season where the rains come. People dance in the streets when it rains here because of the long spans without rain. When it rains, it's a joyous experience. We should be overjoyed with the rain right now. We had so much of an economic drought and climbing out of a recession, businesses scraping by and not thriving. And now businesses, big and small, are thriving and individuals are thriving as well. As a nation, we should be overjoyed. And as a party, the Democrats should be overjoyed. The Democrats should be thrilled with what's going on. The working class Americans, the working poor, as they call them in America, that they claim to be the champions for, are living better now than they have in decades. Wage increase, job growth. You have the Democratic candidates that are still selling a bill of goods that say we need an economy that works for everyone. What demographic is the economy not working for? Every American that wants a job right now has a job. And we also know wages are going up. They can't say that they're not good jobs. They absolutely are good jobs. We have now shown that when the government gets out of the way, the lives of people improve. They do it themselves. All this president did was unleash the job creators. And look what it's done. I will say one thing that a mindset shift that all of us could learn from. When you hear the Democrats talk about givebacks to corporations, I want you to change the way they think and the way you think. A tax cut is not giving anyone anything. A tax cut is taking less from them. The government doesn't give you anything. They take less from you. A tax is them confiscating some of your earnings. If they take less, they take less. That's not giving you anything. And I'll tell you, that shift in mindset would have people go a long way when looking at how this economy has improved. Not done with this by a long shot. There is still so much more to talk about with the economy. Statistically proven for both local and the federal level what this president has done with policies that has unleashed the American people and how it's going to bode for him in the next election cycle. All of these things, impeachment, all of it intertwined, and the economy is one of the key pieces of it. We're going to get to more of this coming up here in just a moment. And again, my name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and this is the Glenn Beck Program.
talking about the economy and what's happening in America, there's just good news. And it's something we all should be celebrating. Why are the Democrats being defeatist? Because it goes against the policies of what's happening. You realize that Barack Obama couldn't get elected right now. There's no way that he is far enough left, if you can believe it, that he could get elected. His border policies. Joe Biden is actually apologizing for the border policies of the Obama administration as part of his presidential run. It's also why he's playing to 50 people in Iowa, but that's what he's having to do. But when it comes to the economy, you're hearing the Elizabeth Warrens and the Bernie Sanders and and well, even this, the, the billionaires, the Steyers and the Bloombergs, you hear them wanting to punish wealth. When you talk about paying their fair share, we can talk about the cliches forever. But let's look at what happened to unleash the American economy and it's working, which is why they have to say it's not working. First of all, when the president took office, he did what he could do by executive order by rescinding a lot of regulation. If you would ask corporations five years ago, four years ago, what is more oppressive and what is harder for you to work around, taxes or regulation? There are a lot of corporations would have a hard time answering that question. Compliance with big companies and even small companies is difficult. Trying to get around the federal regulations or to deal with federal regulations is costly. I was a contractor for many years. I was a, I was an electrician, and then I had my own company for a while. And you understand that compliance or non-productive labor eats up a lot of money in your company, even if you're small. And I ran mine out of my house. It is a difficult thing to do. So you look at the compliance and the regulation that and restrictions that are put on businesses, and the president began to rescind those. And the way he won the election is not with the Russians. If you look at the over 200 districts that President Trump won in swing states, those 200-plus districts in swing states that had twice voted for Barack Obama voted for him, some by a very slim margin. We understand that. But the message that this president sent was to the American worker. This was to the working class. And I would say to you, probably many of them working-class Democrats, the president said... I am going to reduce regulation and taxes on your bosses. They are going to make more money. But what they're going to do is reinvest in their business. They're going to repatriate money. They're going to repatriate jobs. So those manufacturing jobs you've been relying on, those $25 and $30 an hour jobs are going to be secure. You're not going to be fighting over $12 and $13 an hour jobs. And they liked what they heard, and they said they were going to give him a chance. This president will go back into those swing states and he will say promises made, promises kept because he reduced regulation where he could on his own without legislation. And then beyond that, he was able to get the Congress to fight over a tax cut and the tax cut passed through and we watched the economy begin to soar. Now, we talk about deficits and the Democrats are telling you the tax cuts are responsible. You can just Google search it yourself. Don't take my word for it. If you're someone on the left that's listening as opposition here and is looking for a way to um, to defeat what I'm saying, go and look at the raw data. The United States Treasury is collecting more income tax dollars from individuals and businesses now than ever in the history of America, even when adjusted for inflation. So exactly what this president said was we are going to broaden the economy. We're going to put people back to work, and that will raise the dollar amount in the United States Treasury. The reason why we're having such high deficits is we are still spending at an alarming pace. There's no doubt that spending needs to be reined in.
And the analogy I use with my local audience in Phoenix is I use the analogy of Black Friday after Thanksgiving. How is it that companies get in the black when they're drastically cutting their prices? The answer is volume. They broaden their customer base. So instead of Walmart selling 100 TVs on Saturday, Walmart sends, sells 1,500 TVs on Saturday because they're on sale or on Friday, on Black Friday. That's how they get in the black. Well, with the American economy, they made us, it made us more competitive. So we look at just those two things alone. But then you factor in this USMCA. Do you realize, and this is where a lot of people say, you know, Donald Trump isn't really as conservative as other presidents have been. Donald Trump and the USMCA gave the labor unions in America exactly what they wanted in a lot of ways. Mexico is required, according to the USMCA, to improve working conditions and safety conditions in their manufacturing plants. And there are wage minimums. For Mexican workers, what that does is make America more competitive in the manufacturing world. That's why they're talking about a couple of hundred thousand jobs. The same with agriculture in America. This is the USMCA that Nancy Pelosi had on her desk for over a year and then came out last week and said, we're doing it because it's good for the American people, not because Donald Trump. She sat on it for over a year. Now the news that China is going to drastically reduce uh, tariffs next year, beginning with a lot of them in January, which means that I am a free trade person. I'm not someone that likes tariffs. I was uh, doubtful of the president and thought it was a bad idea to get into a trade war, that it does hurt people economically when that happens. In the long run, the way it looks, our economy is soaring even more because it is the tariffs are going to start going away. China is starting to deal with the U.S., realizing they need to be a part of our economy. These are all good things that this president has done. I'm not saying it to defend him to get him reelected president. I'm saying as an American, look at what's happened this time of year. All Americans are feeling better. I shouldn't say all Americans. Every demographic of American is feeling better. Why? And how do you know? Travel over Thanksgiving was the highest in in decades or forever. Same thing we're seeing holiday travel now. Gift giving and spending. You look at the spending that's happening now online and in brick and mortar stores. It's setting records. Why? People are willing to take a risk they weren't before. You limit yourself with the holidays for Christmas. You talk about the what you what's your maximum you're going to spend on gifts. You stay within a budget. People are taking more of a risk now. They're willing to use a credit card because they believe their job is secure. These are the working class Americans. And when inflation stays low, they have more discretionary income. It's a huge difference for a working family. I spent my entire life until I got into radio 10 years ago as an hourly wage worker or an employer of hourly wage people. And a, a, a gas, a spike in gas prices is a tax on the working family. How many of us out there have spent time in our lives working for a living, you know, five-gallon bucket of tools in a work truck where you make a decision on Thursday, do I buy lunch or bring lunch because I may need that five bucks to get gas in my car to get to work tomorrow to pick up my paycheck on Friday. That paycheck-to-paycheck worker, they are seeing improvements in their life. They are seeing improvements in their quality of life financially. 
And along with that, we're watching anybody else that has, I have a retirement account, I have a 401k. You look at the people that have investments in this country, and we've added over $11 trillion. It's approaching $12 trillion now, I believe. $12 trillion in wealth in the time that this president has been in office. This is a time, especially this time of year, when Americans take inventory about how blessed we are as a nation. This is a time when we should be overwhelmed with joy and thankfulness that we are in a time of prosperity in this country. But instead, because of American politics, they're going to take the facts I gave you and tell you that those aren't the facts for everyone. No, they're not the facts for everyone, but they are giving people an opportunity like they've never had before. I have grandchildren now, and I think about them, and the oldest one in 10 years is going to be making choices about either college, workforce, or military. Am I setting him up to be successful if he works hard? And the other thing I will say is charitable giving. The three things we have to offer this world, money, talent, and time. Those are the three things we have to offer the world. And you will see a spike in charitable giving from every level because even the most working class, what we would call the working poor in America, are feeling blessed by improvement, and they tend to give even more. I say this as a form of encouragement. If you read the news, which I do every single day because of this job, half of America seems to think that we are on the verge of economic collapse. We have not seen these kind of great indicators in American economy, certainly in my lifetime. This is a time where entrepreneurs are taking risks, where people are changing jobs because they're available, where you're able to go out and earn more money. Nothing is perfect, and we're far from perfect, but we are so far improved from where we've come. And then we get into the argument about, well, how much did Obama add to the stock market and how much? It's such a silly, silly argument. You want to have that argument, let's do that. You know, the the coach of the Cleveland Browns has led that team. No offense, Cleveland, by the way, I'm, I'm using you as an example. But the coach of the Cleveland Browns has won a lot more games this season than they've won in the two previous seasons combined. You want him or Bill Belichick as your head coach? There's a difference between um, doing better than we were and setting records. There's a major difference. And the policies of the left aren't working or weren't working and we're seeing the policies of the free market and giving people more of their money and low taxes as being the fuel to an economy it defeats everything these presidential candidates on the left stand for and it defeats every bit of their message so the only way to do it is to tell you that it's not true in a few moments we talk about impeachment and we're going to get back into exactly why this is all happening it's a big story And as we move forward with these articles of impeachment, will they ever see the light of day in the United States Senate? It's a question we never thought we would ask because we've never seen anything like this before. So stick around. My name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Thanks for being here this morning. My name is uh, Mike Brewhead. I'm in for Glenn Beck. We appreciate you joining us. It is a great time of year. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy Hanukkah. Um, Impeachment and how this is going for people on the left. There are a lot of um, everybody has an opinion. Uh, 
There are a lot of um, conspiracy theories out there of why Nancy Pelosi is doing what she's doing. But I, from the beginning, thought that Nancy Pelosi was painting herself into a corner. And I wondered how she was going to get out of it. And I got to give her credit. What she has done is fairly remarkable because I never saw this coming. I have a a, a friend here. I, I, I do my show in Phoenix, Arizona, and one of our Arizona congressmen is on Ways and Means. He's not on Judiciary or in the Intelligence Committee. His name is David Schweikert, and he's one of the smartest people in the United States Congress, in my opinion. And uh, I was asking Schweikert, did you ever see this coming? And he, before I finished the question, said, no, no one saw this coming. No one saw her holding up these articles of impeachment the way that she is. And I'll tell you why in a moment, but I want you to hear Pennsylvania voters. Uh, Pennsylvania voters are talking about the impeachment process and what they think and why they think it. And this is, again, swing state, carried by Trump, thin margin, something that everyone is paying very close attention to in these states. And this is what the voters are saying. But what critics see as clear evidence of presidential abuse of power, CEO Philip DeVora sees as just the same old polarized Washington politics that moved him to vote for Trump in the first place. If it did anything, it would make me want to support him more. It's pretty much the same story down on the farm. This location, there's about 1,500 cows being milked. Milk from the Colt family dairy goes into Hershey chocolate and Lander Lake's butter. Colt's business is improving, but his attitude toward impeachment is not. He doesn't follow it much. No, I, uh, I've worked too many hours to pay close attention. The way Culp sees it, voters should elect more like Trump to Congress. Is the impeachment process in any way going to change your outlook or support of this president in 2020? No. Um, you know, it just makes me, I guess, more convinced that we need more outsiders in Washington. You know, and it's amazing. That is exactly how the voters are feeling. And what's to blame? This is what's so terrific about this. When you look at what's to blame for it, they're blaming Fox News. They're blaming talk radio. It is what it really is, is the process. The American people may not be educated on it, on the elections or on politics the way most of us would hope. If you are someone that is a, you know, an avid listener to talk radio, if you follow American politics like I always have, it's been it's been such a a miracle to me to watch what our government has done. To be honest with you, if you look at the United States Constitution and the brilliance of that document, of a document that that assumes power to the states and power to the individual, but then assigns certain power to the federal government. The United States Constitution actually limits the power of the federal government. It is a great document in and of itself. The separation of powers is such a brilliant idea and the way it's well, it's being abused right now, I believe, by Nancy Pelosi. But you, we've heard of abuses of it before. But why exactly are the American people are starting to, you know, fall away from wanting this to happen? Well, it's because we can see what's happening. The American people, even the casual observer, knows a load when they see it. And this is nothing but a load. It is a load of you. Yeah, it's just a load. Let's leave it there. It is. It's a horrible thing that's happening, not because it's Donald Trump. It's a horrible thing because it doesn't need to happen, nor should it. The very standard set, and I will blame traditional media to a large extent, the CNNs and the MSNBCs, ABC, NBC, CBS, their lack of anything positive about this president, giving him credit for anything he's ever done. The seething anger and hatred, they have become a part of the story. But when you look at the narrative of what's happening, and I want you to think about American journalism 
in anything else, and it's controversy. Controversy sells. We all know that. There's nothing wrong with that. When you look at, um, I'm a big sports guy, so I use a lot of sports analogies. When you look at rivalry games, whether it's college football or professional football, they're better attended and they're better viewed on television. The ratings are higher because there's controversy there. When you see even a rivalry game where one team dominates the other, other than the hardcore um, viewers of the winning team, people aren't interested. You can watch all of the the Auburn, Alabama, or here, the Arizona State, Arizona games you want to. Uh, you watch those hardcore Michigan, uh, Ohio State, pick one. You know, rivalry weekends um, around the NFL when you see big rivalry teams play. Next week, the 49ers will play the Seahawks. There's a lot on the line for both teams. It's a division game, and both teams don't like each other. There, that, that will be a very highly viewed game because of controversy. So the American media, if it was just about ratings, would be pointing out the controversy. This side of the aisle says this, but this side of the aisle says that. We don't hear any of that. We are seeing a one-sided view of things about this president. But the American people are smart enough to see that what they've done is overplayed their hand. For those of you out there that are poker players, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A good poker player, a, a professional poker player, knows how you bet and watches how you play. And when you make a big move, they can tell that you are overplaying your hand. You've either gone in too far with a bluff, and now you can't get out of it. You've got no choice but to go all the way. You're overplaying your hand, and they can smell that a mile away. Well, the American people are no different. If the, if the Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, months and months and months ago had said about this phone call with the president of Ukraine, if they had said that's unbecoming a president, that's not professional behavior, that's not presidential behavior, they would have been able to convince a lot of the American people because of the way the narrative has been that Donald Trump is not very professional and not very presidential. That would have gone a long way with voters. But when you start saying we need to throw him out of office for this, the American people shake their heads and say, now you're just being political. That's silly. Again, a sports analogy. That's like when there is a penalty against one of the players on your team and you jump up to throw that guy out of the game. People say, come on, throw him out of the game? It was a penalty, but let's not get crazy. And when we look at American politics, it's become so divided. What's interesting is the disengaged voter, that uh, well, potential voter, but the disengaged American who says, I'm not going to get involved in this process because the whole process is rigged and dirty and they're all crooks and they're all self-serving, which is a big chunk of the American adult population. They're looking at this now and they don't like what they see of one party. Usually it's both. Now they don't like what they're seeing from the Democrats. In America, Republican, Independent, Democrat, and the way that the registered voters are out there, Republicans and Democrats will be fighting like crazy for the votes of independents to win these national elections. And when you look in these districts, 31 Democrats hold districts that are that were won by Trump and where Trump support is growing. How many of those that voted in favor of impeachment are in trouble? And it's because the American public isn't necessarily in love with the Republicans. The voting public is so sick and tired of things like this. You couple that with a president that is going to be on the campaign trail with a ton of money to spend, saying to the American voter, promises made, promises kept. If you're in a better place now than you were four years ago or three years ago, vote for me.
And that's going to go a long way coupled with the insanity that's happening. So Nancy Pelosi says, we don't know what we're going to do. We're waiting for a fair trial. There And there are not many Americans that believe it was a fair trial in the Judiciary Committee. Jerry Nadler calling, what, seven witnesses and none of them were fact witnesses. There is not an ounce of evidence in any testimony against this president of any crime. None. Zero. But everybody hates him, so it's time to impeach him, which is pure fantasy, number one, and a, and a horrible thing to say about the way the Americans voted. You've got less than a year. If he's that reviled, vote him out. What's to stop you from voting him out? I'm going to talk about uh, Democrat candidates in a moment. Elizabeth Warren getting herself in some hot water with the politically correct crowd. And Bernie Sanders back on the campaign trail and touting the same old party line. We're going to get to all that coming up here in a few moments. Again, my name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Hey, thanks again for being here. My name is Mike Broomhead. Social media users, follow me on Twitter, at Broomhead Show. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. If you want to see some great blurry pictures, follow me on Instagram. All the stuff we do here in Phoenix, Arizona. Or the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook is where you can find me. I'd love to keep in contact with you. I do maintain my own account. So if you're seeing a tweet, it's from me. I would love to keep in touch with you. Again, it's at Broomhead Show on Twitter, not Mike Broomhead. Look for at Broomhead Show. Elizabeth Warren getting herself in hot water. Her campaign says that Asian, Indian, and Middle Eastern billionaires are white. They have no comment on this, and neither do I, really. But it's just the politically correct world they live in. They try to out-politically correct themselves, and she's just falling all over the place. Remember going after Pete Buttigieg because of the wine cellar? Well, she's got a wine bottle from a big high-dollar fundraiser she did once before. It's all riddled in hypocrisy. But remember, she is going to... Wipe out all student loan debt. She is going to cover everyone in America in a health care plan. And she's going to do all of this and only tax billionaires. Her and Bernie Sanders have decided that billionaires are wrong. No one should be a billionaire. So we're going to wipe out your billions, which is really funny to me because those are the job creators and the entrepreneurs. And, and it's just a farce. But so we did the math. On the Mike Broomhead show, on my show, and I want to give it to you here on the Glenn Beck program. If you take the wealth of every billionaire on the planet, which we can't, but if you were to take that wealth from them, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of just under $10 trillion. That's if you confiscate it for one-time use. You couldn't pay for Elizabeth Warren's health care plan, and including what we spend in health and human services, and add in health care for all. You couldn't fund it for two years. That's what the wealth of every billionaire on the planet confiscated. So how is she only going to tax billionaires to pay for her plan? Well, she isn't, which is why she is now backing off of this mandated health care for all. She wants people to have a choice. Not Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is still being a hardliner on you're going to get it. What I find interesting is the biggest support for Bernie Sanders seems to be the very young, the 18 to 24-year-olds. What they don't understand until it's explained to them, and and there's a couple of the uh, campus reform and others that have done the videos where they talk to young people, where there are young people that actually said to the interviewer, there's nothing you're going to say to me that's going to waver my support 
for socialized medicine, for health care for all, until they find out they have to pay for it. And when they're told they have to pay for it, they don't like it anymore. When they find out the costs, when they find out you don't, you can't have private insurance anymore, they don't like it anymore. Bernie Sanders has offered family persuasion guide for the holidays. It turns out that you can go online and get a family persuasion guide. So it's up to us as students and young people to make the moral appeal to our older relatives to join us in voting for Bernie. Because let's face it, they won't be around for as long to deal with the consequences of this election. But we will be. Students for Bernie Family Persuasion Guide. And then when you go to them and don't even talk about political parties, you just explain what is involved just in the health care plan. They hate it. They don't realize that they're the ones that will be hit the hardest. A young person that's 10 feet tall and bulletproof. When I was young and, you know, I was a young guy living by myself and didn't have a care in the world. I didn't have health insurance. I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I had employer offered insurance and I didn't take it because I wasn't going to spend a couple hundred bucks a month. I would say if I get injured, if I had a catastrophic, maybe I had a catastrophic plan in case something really bad happens to me. Well, young people don't understand you're going to pay for health insurance. You're going to start paying something. You're paying nothing now. And you're going to be forced into a health care plan you don't want. So they love Bernie Sanders because they believe I'm going to pay for their health insurance. But I'm not. I'm going to pay for a lot more of it than I want to. But they're going to pay. And they're going to be forced into the program. It, it, is, it is an education that people need and Bernie Sanders and these students are putting out a guide so your children come home from college with their Bernie Sanders family persuasion guide it's going to be a great holiday isn't it how is Christmas and Hanukkah going to be around your house but they are touting an old tired message that the economy doesn't work for everyone I've mentioned this before on the program one of the best books uh, you're going to read as a conservative to understand the mindset of the opposition is the Communist Manifesto. And I'm not calling all liberals communists, but if you look at the way they run their campaigns, there is a part of the Communist Manifesto called the immiseration of the proletariat. We understand the two groups of people, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, the working class of the proletariat. And the immiseration of the proletariat is this. If people don't realize because of their ignorance how bad they have it, it's our job to describe to them how bad they have it. There is actually the teachings that you go and tell people they're not as good as you think. Why do you think your your raises and bonuses were called crumbs by Nancy Pelosi? That's the immiseration of the proletariat. Working class was feeling pretty good about those raises. Felt pretty good about that. Crumbs, I tell you, not as good as you think. Coming up next hour, the FISA judge and the review of FISA. What a judge is now telling the FBI they must do with former past cases and moving forward. It is a compelling story that has a lot to do with crime in America and will for a very long time. All that coming up again. My name is Mike Broomhead. This is the Glenn Beck Program.